Welcome back to 1A and to our special series on fear. I hope that our last episode was helpful for you as I encourage you to think about what you think about when you think about fear. It was a meta-analysis on fear. Do you think fear is sinful? Do you think that fear displays weakness? And I was trying to push back on some of the narrative that is out there that God disallows fear, that if you're a good Christian, you're never afraid. I think in this moment right now, there are people that are afraid, and you should be afraid to a certain extent, but not driven by fear, not owned by fear. So let's talk about that. Well, firstly, I think we need to define what fear is. Some people, when they talk about fear, they want to emphasize the thinking portion, the cognitive portion of what fear is. In those instances, what you tend to get is you tend to get definitions that will say things like, fear is the apprehension that something you love, treasure, or value is going to experience something negative. Something bad's going to happen to something you love, treasure, or value. On the opposite side of those who emphasize the emotion, that is that there's this physical, emotional reaction that is fear. And so what is fear? Well, as much as fear is driven by cognition, fear itself is an emotion. That's important to make that distinction. We're really confused nowadays about thoughts and about feelings. I talk to most of my premarital couples when we go over communications training, and we talk about how people will use, I feel like, that particular phrase, or I feel that, when they're actually about to give you a thought. So they'll say things like, I feel like you should have let me know before you were going to come home late. Well, that you should have let me know that you were going to come home late is not actually a feeling at all. It is a thought. But we tend to disguise our thoughts in feeling language, partly because we really value feeling language right now in today's culture, partly because men like to think they're good at feelings when we tend not to be very in touch with them. And women get tired of people arguing with their thoughts, so they'll often put their thoughts in feeling garbage. But really, fear is a feeling. Now, as we make that distinction more clear, thoughts are things that happen that we can reason with and help us understand one another. Emotions are what we use to empathize with one another, to get into the experience of one another. And when that becomes internal, our own thoughts, well, they're challengeable. That's what Paul exhorts us to do when he tells us to take our thoughts captive, that we really must think about our thinking. When we begin to go down a particular path, we need to get to a place where we can challenge the thoughts that are driving that path. But at the same time, he can tell you to weep with those who weep, to grieve with those who grieve, to rejoice and celebrate with those who celebrate. Those are are emotions. That's empathy. So fear is the latter. It's an emotion, but it's driven by the former. It's driven by thoughts. And so it's the ability to really coach and minister to both of those pieces that help us when it comes to what we do with fear. Now, not only is fear an emotion, Fear's an extremely powerful emotion, one of the most powerful emotions in the entire emotional repertoire that we have. It, as an emotion, actually activates a whole section of our biology, and it's called the sympathetic nervous system. 
That sympathetic nervous system is what we often talk about when we talk about the fight or flight reflex. So a desire either to come up against that which is threatening us or to run away and to find shelter. That intense reaction, it can dominate us in our thoughts. It can dominate us in our feelings. It can even dominate us in our bodily experience. When that sympathetic nervous system kicks in and kicks in real hard, you might notice that you begin to tremble, um, that your thoughts begin to race, that your heart rate increases, your blood pressure increases. You are having physiological responses to the fear that's being kicked up in you. Now, are you a slave to that? Absolutely not. There's there's a whole other system called the parasympathetic nervous system that you can manually begin to put into place that actually begins to calm you down. It's breathing. It's the ability to breathe in and out, to tense a muscle and then feel it relax and to get yourself to the place where you are actually beginning to release some of the calm portions of your neurobiology rather than the anxious fight-or-flight portions. Fear is a very powerful emotion. It's not always a takeover, powerful sort of thing. There are fearful responses that are mild. But as things or as a threat is more real to something that is more precious— that reaction tends to be more intense. So if you know somebody whom you love who seems like they are under threat, that their health is under threat, that their life is under threat, it's understandable that you might have a particularly intense fear response. And then what do you do with that fear response? And I think that's the place where a lot of people are in right now is that you're just holed up in your house and there's this enemy that you can't see and you can't fight. And so those that want to fight can't fight. And those that want to flee, where are you going to go? And so it gets you to this point where you feel very, very out of control. Well, actually, next episode, we'll talk about what you can do in the midst of your fear response. But this one, we just wanted to be able to talk about what fear is. Now, fear is an emotion. Fear is a powerful emotion. But fear is also based on belief. It's the thought that you and I can challenge. Uh, Something bad may happen to someone or something that you treasure. But sitting and thinking about it, visualizing it over and over and over again and trying to think of what you would do in every single scenario, that just drives that fear and it keeps that sense of fear and anxiety maxed out all the time. And so you've got to be able to shift the belief, not not the belief that something bad will happen because something bad may happen. Those of you who are listening to me, I don't, I don't know where this is going. I cannot give you any false promises that the Lord isn't going to have you or someone you love be diagnosed with this coronavirus and that it might do damage to their lungs, that it may ultimately take their life. I can't make any promises. But what I can do is I can shift that belief to the firm foundation that is a good, loving God, a God who loves you and me so much, though he stood in the need of nothing. Though there was no lack in his entire existence, he didn't lack love, he didn't lack glory, he didn't even lack worshipers, he didn't need any of it. He chose 
on his own behalf to take on humanity, to take humanity unto himself, to suffer, to be betrayed, to die, and not just the physical death, but the spiritual death, so that his people might be saved, that they might be with him forever in a place where there's no disease and there's no poverty, and we are in a glorified state forever. That God I can trust. I can, with Job, say, though he slay me, I will trust in him. And when you begin to take that belief and you begin to shift it from the fear of the world, what's going to happen, what's out there, to the belief in a God who's in control right now on his throne, and he is indeed working all things for the good of his people, for those whom he loves for those whom he calls according to his purpose. And in that moment, right there, I can begin to find some rest. Well, in our next episode, we'll talk about when we find ourselves triggered by fear, what are some things that we can do to really get ourselves out of that. Until then, stay safe and God bless.